Rhino, I was so excited this past week was was going to be my my return to Mesa. I saw the Wednesday night game against the Padres, and I had my tickets for the Dodger game, and then the world seemingly began to end. Yeah, it's uh, pretty unbelievable the times that we're living in right now, Chad, uh, to think that we were this close to starting uh, Major League Baseball season of 2020, and now we don't know when or if that will start, to say the least. Um, the coronavirus obviously encompassing the world right now, and, and sports as we know it is not existing, but we're going to try to do our best to go over everything that we can talk about as it relates to the virus, what's going on in the world, and as how it's relating to the Cubs and baseball, for that matter. Yeah, we've got a lot of different topics. We're going to talk about uh, what we know and what we think about when baseball, when and if it will resume, under what conditions will happen, the impact on the stadium workers, um, what's going on uh, all around the league and all around the world. Plus, we've got a really good guest. We do. we got a great guest. We're going to talk to Mick Gillespie. He is the play-by-play announcer for the Tennessee Smokies. That's the double-A affiliate for the Cubs. And uh, did some work with Marquee Network as well. So we're going to check in with him about uh, what the Cubs season, once it does begin, is going to look like. So stick around because the Friendly Confines starts right Right now. now. First inning, Chad, and something that is absolutely unprecedented in our lifetime because of the coronavirus, MLB has suspended all operations until further notice. We don't know when opening day is going to be. Rob Manfred has said that they are going to kind of take this on a day-by-day basis and just see where it goes and just see where the coronavirus kind of takes the U.S. population and the U.S. government as far as how... uh, these people are kind of responding from a health standpoint. It is pretty unbelievable as to what we are seeing right now, but we do not have major league baseball right now. And it is out of an abundance of caution and for good measure why we are not having any sports, let alone major league baseball. What has been your takeaway from what Rob Manfred and MLB has done so far after seeing um, just kind of the outbreak of this coronavirus? Yeah, we're going to talk about different aspects of this through the innings, but I, I from my my take is just overall, and it, it's the right call. Uh, and you look at what's gone uh, gone on. Uh, we're a global company where I work in my my leadership consulting job at the Ken Blanchard Companies. We we work with a lot of international clients, and we started seeing these effects a few weeks ago. And so what they're doing with Italy, what they just announced in Spain and France, you know, in terms of like shutting down the borders and shutting down all businesses, you know, um, I think this was inevitable, and and I think. It happened as quickly as it could happen. Um, it, it, as you said, unprecedented. Uh, it's, it's, it's so sad because I mean, how how many of you and and, and our listeners have, are just waiting and so excited to to have baseball be in our ears and in front of us on our TV screens or in front of us at Wrigley Field? Um, it's such a blow, but but you're right. I mean, it's 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 precaution, um, and it is it is an opportunity, I think, um, to try to do the right thing and hopefully. This will end up impacting lives in a very positive way and saving lives. Yeah, very, very true. And for those who may not know, in my uh, real job, I work in healthcare um, and work for uh, hospitals in uh, South Florida. And obviously, this is just, you know, seeing this on the front lines and seeing kind of how this is all unfolded. It's uh, it's absolutely yeah. unbelievable to kind of see 
what is happening and uh, credit to our first responders and our medical professionals yeah. who are on the front lines and, and dealing with this uh, from, you know, the, the top down. So yeah. let us move on to the second inning now. And uh, Chad, uh, kind of interesting. I went to a spring training game in South Florida. I went to a Marlins Cardinals game last uh, Sunday, and then um, I was supposed to go to the Nationals and Cardinals game in West Palm Beach um, this coming weekend. However, obviously that was canceled. Yeah. Um, you got the opportunity to tra- travel to Tempe and to what turned out to be the Cubs last spring training game. Um, I was curious because at the time, I don't think it was as uh, kind of heightened as it maybe has gotten over the last several days. Um, was there any concern on your part about traveling to Arizona from California, thinking there could be a possibility of being in a situation where you're around all these people and contracting the yeah. virus? Yeah, it's it, that's a great question. And I think um, so, you know, going into to flying into Phoenix and going to Sloan Park in Mesa. Um, you know, I've got season tickets in Mesa. I've got season tickets also at Wrigley. And, and so I always like to see a couple games in, in spring training. I sell the rest of my friends and, um, and give away some to my friends as well. And, and basically flying out there on Wednesday to see the Wednesday night game against the Padres, you know, we knew less that day than we do the next day. It's, it's amazing how much more information um, how much more awareness every 24 hour period brings. So I was there and, and I was there with my friend and, and thinking, okay, you know, this is, you know, we're here. I wonder like these gatherings are probably going to be, you know, not be allowed anymore pretty soon. Or would they do that? What would they do? Cause there was still at that point, wasn't talk of the NCAA. There wasn't talk of like not having the masters wasn't talk, you know, but we were starting to see ramifications in Europe and like sumo wrestling, you know, in Japan with no crowds. And I never felt, concern but i will share that you know we all wash our hands it's a big joke like i do this this is let us know we need to wash hands but i just i was more diligent because i'm on a lot of planes i've flown about twenty thousand miles already this year i just pulled like 12 flights off my calendar the next month i fly a lot but i was very diligent about washing my hands and just watching what i was doing and if people were coughing and keeping some space but no i wasn't concerned at sloan park nobody really seemed concerned but what was interesting ryan again went to that game that that wednesday night and then thursday morning woke up and was like let's go see the dodger cubs game and and suddenly it's like it's canceled because of weather and then like 30 minutes later major league baseball suspended operation so it happened so suddenly it wasn't even like hey this might come it was like this happened yep. without yep. any warning. And, and it was just, it was so surreal to be there and to see everybody who had, you know, flown from all over the place, drove in um, many, many thousands of miles. We met a whole bunch of people. Um, it, you know, they came in to see the games and it was like sometimes a bucket list trip. And just to see people milling around Slope Park, it was just, it was a very sad feeling. Yeah, I certainly uh, can understand that. As we move on to the third inning now, and as we alluded to earlier, MLB uh, has not selected any time or date, understandably so, as to when they will start the season. Um, But I'm sure there's a part of them that would like to try and get all 162 games um, into the schedule. But, Chad, uh, if this is going through, you know, the end of March, April, and then we're not starting till May. Um, we're in a situation where 
we're most likely not going to be playing a full season of Major League Baseball. Maybe we play, you know, like kind of what we did in the, the strike season of 1995, where there was only 144 games played, or maybe less than that, um, or we have two halves to a season like we saw in the 1981 strike season for probably most of our audience that may not even be have been born when that happened. Yeah. Um, you know, we, there's a lot of scenarios that I think Rob Manfred, I don't think, has I any idea what he's planning on doing yet? Um, but there are contingency plans. I mean, how long do does you know baseball wait? We will have a season. I think it's just a matter of what type of season yeah. we're going to have. Um, listen, if it was up to me, even if they started the season late, I think it would be kind of cool if we brought back more double headers. I don't know how uh, how 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 easy or difficult that would be to do. But um, I think long story short, we're probably going to see a much more compact and shorter season um, this year for Major League Baseball. Where, where do you stand on that? couple things friend of the program george offerman we had him on the on the program last season from um chicago sports radio um he said there is discussions now at the highest levels about an 81 game season so that just came out on sunday my take on this i look at the schedule and i say okay best what is the best case scenario and i've already pulled the tickets because uh uh, for the washington national series that starts on friday bay 8th i I was like that that would be probably best case scenario but then i wrote i read a sobering email today um from one of my clients who is in the healthcare field a pharmaceutical company you know because we do a lot of uh uh, in-person um face-to-face training seminars things like that and 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 her take was like, well, hopefully this will subside in the next three to five months. Well, Ryan, if this is still going for three to five months, then there's a small, I mean, there is, there is a glimmer, a slim chance that there's no season this season. That is a possibility. And, and, and it's wrapping my brain around that. I could have never imagined that a couple of days ago, but if this continues for three to five months, if this is not, if, 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 if the curb flattening the curb, does not fully happen and outbreaks continue to happen, they're going to have to take very big measures on, on large group gatherings. And that is baseball, Um, you know, and, and, and so I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think, I don't, I don't, I think George is onto something about an 81 game season. Um, I think the health and safety of players, you'd have to expand the rosters if you did several double double headers, but I love it. I love the idea as a season ticket holder, my brain is broken, you know, cause I've sold a whole bunch of tickets and, and, and I don't even know how that even works. I got to, I, I, you know, there's all these pieces of like, you know, when is opening day? Are we going to watch it? And now I'm just worried. It's like, are we going to have a season? What's summer going to be like? Is this, is this the new normal? And, and so it's, it's bewildering to me. I don't want to, you know, I'm not trying to incite any concern or panic, but it's like something to consider and think of um, this, this, the worst could be very much yet to come. Yeah. Well, the thought of that, and then we move on to the fourth inning, you know, if somehow this is under control in the next couple of months, maybe major league baseball decides to play games without any fans and they just play games with the players. We've seen that already happen with, you know, as you mentioned, over in Japan, we've seen that in certain soccer uh, situations over the years when there's been outbreaks of some sort. It's not out of the realm of possibility to just have games that are played outside. And I understand there are a few teams that do play in indoor facilities. I, I believe, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, that the only team that does not have a retractable roof in Major League Baseball is the Tampa Bay Rays. Other than that, any team that plays in a 
indoor stadium, so to speak, has the ability to open up their roof, which I think would at least make it a little better if you decided to play these games and if you decided not to have any fans. I'm okay with that if you're going to televise the games and you have a small amount of people that are just the personnel with the team, and and obviously you're going to limit the media coverage, if at all have any media coverage for those games other than what you're seeing on TV. Um, but, you know, again, I, I know this is uh, a long you know, process and, st- and many, many, many steps away from this happening. But if we did get to that point, Chad, I would be okay with this. Would you be okay with games being played throughout the season with no fans in attendance? I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to answer that question, but I'm going to lead off with, I, I don't, I think what you're proposing is impossible. I don't think that that can happen, Ryan. And I think about that Oklahoma city thunder game where they, the, the, the arena was full. The, the, the staff was there. People had beers in their hand and they had just done warmups, getting ready to do introductions. And then they said everybody off the court and it turns out two players on the Oklahoma City Thunder were were positive. And, and so I don't think that you in a, in a safe manner, you can have sweaty bodies and, and athletes in any sport, in any situation. I don't think that they can play. Um, you know, golf was going to try it, then they pulled it off. They they tried to do the TPC at Sawgrass, and they said, "No, we just can't do it because there are people there." And one per- social distancing is social distancing. In baseball, um, with its officials, with its players, with its benches, with the support staff that need to be there, that's five hundred with to a thousand people probably, and that's not social distancing. So, would I be okay with watching TV on sports with nobody in the fans? Yeah, that'd be kind of funky. I wouldn't like it. My favorite place in the world to be is on a is is at Wrigley Field on an afternoon game on Friday. Um, I would miss that terribly if it was possible. I think yeah, but Ryan, I just don't think it's possible. I think with what's happened and with what happened with the NBA, them making that that stance, I think the the players' association would balk at at even coming out to play the games. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to the fifth inning. And you know, Chad, one of the things that obviously the players cannot do since. I'm assuming these guys are back in their hometowns. They're clearly, you know, have returned back to wherever they play, whether they're in Chicago or in, you know, Arizona or Las Vegas or wherever they may reside. Maybe somebody like Anthony Rizzo is down here in South Florida right now is how do you maintain staying in shape when you know that eventually you're going to play games, but you're not going to be as sharp as what you were doing before. I have to imagine, I know, listen, I know these guys, they make a lot of money. Um, I'm sure that to some degree they have the opportunity to have private areas where they can go to kind of stay in shape and be able to continue to do that. But I stress that it is not the same as a live game where you're getting that when you go from directly into spring training and go right into the season, it's definitely going to be a major curve um, for these guys when they start to get back onto the field again and, yeah. and the brand of baseball is not certainly going to be what we're used to. It's going to be tough for these players to adjust back onto the field. I think once they get started yeah. again, would you agree with that? Well, yeah. And you know, we were, if you really think about it, we were about two weeks away from the season. So they, they had come in, they had done their initial, you know, conditioning, you know, they started getting into game shape. I mean, technically, it was two weeks away from what we would we would expect to be major league baseball level level caliber. So right now it's up to each individual player to do the due diligence, what they're going to do on their own to stay healthy. And it's a very different situation working out in a garage or a batting cage or a, a private club 
um, versus, uh, you know, being a spring training and having game time action. So I've, I've read reports that no matter what Major League Baseball does, once the all clear signal happens, if it happens, they're going to get two weeks more spring training, maybe 10 days and then go into baseball. But then you're right. You've missed what they've had in the last three, four weeks. And so it's this is unprecedented that, you know, it's probably going to have, a, you know, it's definitely going to have some sort of asterisk on it in terms of records and things like that. You know, nobody's going to, you know, nobody's going to break any all time season records this year just because of the truncated season if it happens. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it's up to each individual player. I read a report this weekend that San Diego, the Padres were staying together. Um, and there was another team I can't name, but I know the Cubs have dispersed. And I think each team has left it up to their own players to determine um, what is going to be best for them. And I think most players are going to think about the health and well-being of their family um, and holding up in their homes. Sixth inning now, and we move on to, you know, Chad, obviously for people like you and I, we have jobs. We are uh, able to, you know, work through this entire crisis and this situation. But that is not the case for everybody, uh, including teachers, including people that are contractors. And it, it hits at the, the major league level as well. The vendors, the people that work concessions, the people that take your tickets, the ushers. These are all people that are going to be affected by this situation that we are going through in this health crisis. And these people who, listen, right off the top, these are not people that are making a lot of money to begin with. Yeah. And when they, um, you know, certainly depend on the work that comes with, you know, being at sporting events and selling, whether, you know, it's alcohol or hot dogs or, you know, T-shirts or whatever the case may be. There are so many people at the lower level that it's not just about the players. It's these people that are mostly yeah. affected. And I, I have not heard anything. We have heard from Jerry Reinsdorf um, and, and from Rocky Wirtz that they are going to be paying their employees from the Blackhawks, the Bulls, and the White Sox. But we have not heard anything from the Ricketts. I would like to think that the Ricketts family will take it upon themselves and pay these people um, while they are not going to be working at Wrigley Field because it would be a real shame and, and a major black eye to this organization if that is not yeah. something we eventually hear and, and that does not come out. Yeah, my, that's my hope as well. And I, you know, my son, I always try to assume the best intentions and I hope that the Ricketts do that. I know the Ricketts have a bit of a black eye on them on how this offseason went, what's going on with Marquee Network. I will share with you, Man, it's nice not hearing anything on Twitter complaints about the nobody getting the marquee network on <laughs> on Comcast. <laughs> now that's there's nothing to watch. Thing. But that's that's a story for another time. But you know, uh, uh, Zion, well, he uh, uh, the rookie, probably rookie of the year. I don't know if he'll get it because um, he had the injury early on in the NBA. But he 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 is he is he is covering the salaries of the entire staff during this downtime um, in New Orleans. I thought that was absolutely incredible. So we'll, hopefully a Cub won't have to step up and do that. They don't make the salaries that the NBA players make. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I read a sobering article, Ryan, um, in, in one of the trades uh, talking about, you know, obviously there's going to be sickness. There's going to be debilitating illnesses. There's going to be deaths. You know, that's that's the that's that's what this is. This is why we're, we're doing all of this. But it also talked about there are going to be swaths of people that are going to lose their homes and going to go bankrupt. And, you know, it just shows how 
um, economically sensitive we are and, and how this is, this, this, this could pull the plug in a matter of weeks. And so my heart goes out to, to everybody that's affected by this financially. You know, my company is going to be affected by this financially. The people I work with are going to be affected by this financially. And we've just got to weather through because this is unprecedented and this is a time for us to step up, be together, um, and, and put things aside. But man, I'm going to miss sports. Time now for the seventh inning stretch here on the Friendly Confines, and we are excited for our guest this week. He's uh, been with the Cubs organization for quite some time. If you are a uh, fan of the Cubs minor league system, he is the play-by-play announcer for the Tennessee Smokies, the Cubs AA affiliate. Uh, It is Mick Gillespie, who also, at one point or another, will be making his debut on the Marquee Network during spring training. Mick, welcome to the Friendly Confines with Chad and Ryan. How are you doing, and thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks. Uh, great to talk Cubs baseball. I'm just glad that I'm out of the cold weather and, uh, you know, up here in, uh, in Arizona having a good time. How often do you get to go to spring training with the team? Is that a regular occurrence with the fact that you're with the organization? Yeah, I, well, I've, I've been to spring training uh, the last uh, nine years. And up until this season, Len and I, Len Casper, of course, the uh, uh, play-by-play man on television for the Cubs, we teamed up on a webcast on MLB.com, Cubs.com, and we broadcasted most of the spring training games. And then when the Cubs started the marquee network, um, you know, we were doing the games on television. So, you know, we, we cut back the webcast this year. And um, so I've been out here ready to do a game for uh, 670 to score. I was supposed to do the first game. It got rained out. I got another one scheduled now. <laughs> and then, uh, uh, you know, doing some stuff for Marquee, too. At least I'm planning on it. That sounds great. So you've had an opportunity to uh, be at spring training, kind of see how this new, I guess, Cubs uh, coaching staff has, you know, been in play the last couple of weeks. What have you noticed so far maybe in this spring training that is different from previous seasons under Joe Madden? Well, I mean, I think that um, – that they're they jumped into it a lot faster to me. You know, I think that Joe Madden had a, a strategy where he liked to ease uh, the guys in, and I don't know that he really thought that they were that, that you need to have you know a month of spring training or whatever it is, I mean, you know, six weeks. And um, you know, in certain players, you didn't see a lot until the middle or the end of spring. But you know, this year, um, you know, whether it's drills or games, you've seen you know the the bulk of the star players uh, a lot, you know, and working really hard. David Ross brings an intensity that I think that, that this team, you know, needed. And I love Joe Madden too, you know, and, and, uh, and I think he's one of the greats that's ever done it, but, um, you know, but, uh, you know, obviously the results weren't there, uh, you know, last year and, and, you know, they, they didn't get back to the world series. That's been their goal. Um, so, you know, I guess all in all, it's just, the the intensity that he brings, you know, the the the, the work ethic during uh, spring training. But I've been really impressed by uh, David Ross's composure already. And I said, well, composure. I mean, it just seems like he has been doing this job for years. And this, you know, the first spring training game he managed was the first time he managed uh, or coached. 
And then um, when he manages his first game on opening day, that'll be the first time he's ever managed. So there's, um, you know, a lot building into this where, you know, inexperience could come into play, but I, I just don't see it happening. I, I, do, I really uh, respect the way that he's kind of handled camp, the media, the team. And uh, not only this year, I think he's got a really bright future as a manager. We're talking with Mick Gillespie. He's the play-by-play uh, -play announcer for the Tennessee Smokies, the AA affiliate for the Chicago Cubs. You can find him on Twitter, at Broadcaster Mick as well. He's a great follow, and uh, certainly check him out there. Mick, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask if there are any players in camp that you have obviously seen up close and personal, be it that you get to cover the AA affiliate on a regular basis. What guys in camp that maybe the uh, average Cubs fan hasn't heard about yet, but you know about is and is on your radar as somebody who is up and coming and could potentially uh, make an impact on this team, not necessarily this year, but maybe in the next few years. Well, there's, a, there's some guys, uh, Tyson Miller. I've been curious to see how he looks at this level. He was dominant in the Southern League last year. Um, he struggled, and I think part of that was the difference in baseball between the Pacific Coast League and the Southern League. You know, the uh, PCL used that same baseball that was used in the Major League. So uh, it had a lot more carry to it, and that took some getting adjust, uh, you know, adjusting to. But uh, you know, he's won. Um, you know, Trent Jimbroni's had an amazing camp. I mean, he's driving in a ton of runs right now. He had a three-home run game for the Smokies a couple of seasons ago. Now, last year he was in Iowa. But, you know, when you have a camp like he's had, uh, and, I mean, we're, you know, not even halfway through yet, but when you, when you put together uh, a spring training like he has, you're going to catch the eye of people. You know, they're going to remember that. Uh, David Bodie is a great example. He had an, you know, a really good camp, and then when the Cubs had an opening, Joe Madden remembered that, and Theo and those guys brought him up. You know, so maybe Trent Jimbroni could be uh, one of those guys as well. So th those are the two that stand out. But you know, maybe Wyatt Short, left-hander out of the bullpen, um, you know, kind of comes from uh, a different angle because he's five foot eight, but he's got a lot of velocity. He's had success, a lot of success. He can be, get righties and lefties out. And with the rule change where you have to face three batters, maybe he's someone that, um, you know, finds a way to the major leagues as well. We're finishing up here with Mick Gillespie. He is the play-by-play uh, -play announcer for the Tennessee Smokies, double-A affiliate for the Cubs. You can find him on Twitter, at Broadcaster Mick. Um, we'll finish with this, Mick. As somebody like myself, who is a diehard Cubs fan, uh, grew up in the Chicagoland area, and, um, you know, looks at uh, the team on a day-by-day -day basis and just, you know, would love the opportunity to be around them like you get the opportunity to do. What What is that experience like for someone like yourself who gets the um, the opportunity to watch this team play up close, meet the players, meet some of the legends? Um, maybe for our listeners, kind of describe um, what that experience is like for someone like you who uh, obviously loves baseball as well and um, I'm certain has become a, a Cub fan over the time that you have now worked for the organization. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I, I became a Cub fan when I was a kid. I have uh, a, a jacket, the old uh, starter jacket from the 80s that I had to have. It was the same one that uh, President Ronald Reagan, um, you go Google the picture, he threw out the first pitch. And he used to be a Cubs broadcaster, by the way, you know, back when he was, before he was That's an right. actor. It's blue, and it's got the big Cubs logo on it, and it's got buttons. 
and it's got the red, red, white, and blue sleeves and collar. Uh, I worked really hard to get that jacket. I mowed uh, 11 yards at $10 a piece. That covered the $107. It was $99 plus tax. And uh, I had to have it, man. I, I, I would watch the Cubs on WGN, Harry and Steve, um, you know, just got, really got into to that team with Ryan Sandberg and, and Andre Dawson. And I loved Mark Grace and, uh, you know, and, and Jody Davis. And a lot of these guys have become friends. But, you know, I'm not really starstruck. I mean, the, the players that the Cubs have now, for the most part, have come through the minor league system. So, I mean, I remember them when they were first getting started, you know, Chris Bryant, Javi Baez, and those types. But uh, 2009, Rhino was manager of the Smokies, and he was always one of my favorite players. I had his rookie cards and, you know, everything. And I, and I remember the first day I, I walk in, and there he is. You know, he's just standing there, and it's like, <laughs> wow, that's really Rhino, you know. And so, um, and I was a little starstruck, but over the course of time, you know, it, it went from being, you know, someone who I looked up to as a kid to a friend, you know, and someone that I admired for his ability to manage baseball games. And, um, and, and I guess that's really what it's become now is it's, it's more just, um, you know, a job. And I mean, I don't mean a job that I, I love. I mean, I love doing it every day, but. You know, like if I'm down on the field for batting practice, uh, I'm just curious, you know, how, how's everything going? How was your summer? Uh, you know, how do you feel? You know, if I see Chris Bryant, uh, you know, I'm going to ask him about what it's like to go to Vegas, uh, you know, if I see him today. But, you know, however that works out, it, at the end of the day, you know, um, my grandfather told me one time, you know, we all put our pants on one leg at a time. And, you know, I've always looked at it that way, and, and you try not to get starstruck. You just remember that they're people just like you, and um, they're just really good at baseball. Very cool and very well said. Mick, we wish you the best of luck this year, and obviously uh, looking forward to uh, continue to see your uh, progression in your career, and thank you for taking a few minutes to uh, talk to us here on the seventh inning stretch of the Friendly Confines. We'd love to have you back, man. I know... Uh, Busy schedule with you, certainly with baseball season, but if your time permits, we would certainly love to have you back on the show. Thanks for taking the time and uh, being with us. Yeah, yeah, just let me know. I'd love to come back. Take care, guys. Our thanks once again to Mick Gillespie of the Tennessee Smokies, the AA yeah. affiliate for the Chicago Cubs. And, of course, just so we're all clear, we obviously record these interviews beforehand, and this was an interview we did with Mick. Uh, a week before we recorded today's podcast episode. So certainly things were still going on, but they still apply to obviously what is going to be happening for the start of the season. And our thanks to Mick for doing that, even though uh, right yeah. now we are not seeing any well, baseball games. And, but, uh, you know, yeah. bear in mind, go ahead. What were you going to say? I was going to say just, you know, and, and honestly, you know, we're not going to be here for the next three weeks just talking about the social ramifications of, of what's going on. We want to talk about Cub sports. We want to talk about what's going on. Um, we still have a lot of news to cover. We, we went heavy on the ramifications of this decision. But speaking of guests, Ryan, you want to let people know who we're going to have the next two weeks? Yes. Arguably one of our top three guests of all time. Yeah. Um, yeah. The Today Show, if that rings a bell, Rhino. Yeah, the Today Show's very own Willie Geist is going to be joining us. He How is cool the is uh, host of Sunday Today with Willie Geist. And, of course, he has the Sunday Sit-Down podcast. And for those uh, politicos out there, he is the co-host of Morning Joe as well that you can see with uh, Joe Scarborough and Mika 
Brzezinski, uh, which is on He's everywhere, uh, MSNBC. And everywhere and the friendly confines, everywhere and the friendly confines. So stay tuned for that. We are very excited to uh, have Willie Geist join us on the program. So and also it's important to know that if you want to join us on Twitter, you can join the conversation. You can find me at Ryan D. Lieber and you can find Chad at Cubs Confines. You can tweet at us and send us questions you want to hear about this team or anything that's on your mind. And of course, go to our Facebook page, the Chicago Cubs Friendly Confines Facebook page. You want to check it out there, Chad. Always great with content on there as well. And we'd love to, uh, you know, go uh, and talk to all the listeners that, uh, you know, are are uh, part of the podcast. So yeah. And I want to throw it out. Yeah. I want to throw this challenge out. So um, we um, love when you interact. We love when you share. And so if you haven't already, make sure you give us a rating and a review uh, wherever you're listening to it. Most people listen to it on Apple Podcasts. But if you will share on your Twitter, um, this episode, if we get at least 10 shares on Twitter of this episode, we're going to we're going to reach out to a random person in that group, a minimum of 10. And uh, and we're going to send out a special prize. So we would love you to share this with your Cubs family and friends. Uh, we've got a great, huge, growing audience, just surpassed 18000 downloads. And we're so appreciative that you're a part of our pad- podcast community. Yeah, absolutely. So let's move on to the eighth inning as we wrap things up here on the podcast and uh, Chad, obviously um, well, since there is no sports, um, what are you doing to fill your time by not watching sports at the moment? It's interesting because last week was a very busy week, even with the, even with the day off, um, you know, traveling uh, things are uh, very affected at work. And I imagine they, they are for you as well in, in the public relations field and healthcare. And, you know, things are just busy and very interesting times right now. And, and so just keeping up with what's going on and all the changes and cancellations and pushes, but you know, I'm, I don't know, like I, I track my year from when the last pitch of the last Cubs game ends to the first day of spring training, right through opening day. And I, I, this is the soundtrack of my world. And if there's this void during football season, during the off season, that is, is, is just, I love baseball. I'm, I, I sounds, it sounds probably pretty silly to some people, but if you're listening to the podcast in the eighth inning, you probably like baseball too. So what am I going to do more? I don't know. I mean, we're going to be stuck inside, I think for a few weeks. Um, but you know, I might go do some motorcycle rides up and down the coast and I'll do a couple more of those, get out on the bike, um, and, and try to, I don't know, um, do a little bit more reading. Uh, uh, I, I just, I, I am so sad because I was so ready and ramped up to listen to Pat and Ron and watch games. And, uh, it's just, it's, it's just sad. What about you? Well, let's see. Uh, so far, I have started to binge watch the newest season of Curb Your Enthusiasm, which I hadn't had a chance to do. Classic, Classic but fun. If you're yeah. a Curb guy, but yes, I was very excited to uh, be able to get that. And then I rented the movie Uncut Gems last oh. night with Adam Sandler. Have you um, seen that yet? Well, I, I just saw it for the first time last night. So. You did well. You said you rented it. I didn't know if you watched it. That is one of those movies where you're like. I might need more hand sanitizer. That that just that just left me like I like walking out of a movie where you're like, wait a second, they didn't wrap that up in a nice bow. Right, right. It was very much just kind of left like, well, now what happens? Uh, <laughs> yes, it definitely was. And and I don't know about you, but my heart was pounding the entire movie. 
it, the entire movie, my heart was pounding. It was a, fr- a frenetic pace. Uh, yeah, I, I I don't think Sandler warranted the best actor. But it, it was it was so out of uh, guys. We're gonna we have one more inning. I promise, it's not gonna be all baseball and I mean uh, movie review stuff. But what I'll share <laughs> about that is like he did a great job and. Man, I, you know, so unlikable. There wasn't a character in that movie I enjoyed. Like, I think everybody was was just like not horrible. They're all horrible, yeah. except maybe maybe the girlfriend. You know, and you kind of Kevin Garnett. She, Kevin he, Garnett was the only good character. Well, in that no, movie. because he caused some issues by running off. For I don't want to give away the whole thing, but it's yeah. It's, you know, yeah, I've yeah. shared people like if you enjoy movies and you've got some time, watch it. I won't rewatch it again. Um, but man, it is it is a dark movie. And uh, and it's it's a it's as like you said, it's a anxiety creator. Yeah, it, it very much is. Um, I also I don't know about you, but I'm a big watcher of the show CBS Sunday Morning. Oh, I got and, it. You and I you and I are flipping nerds because yeah. you're right. You probably you probably get a paper delivered to your house, too. And like long form journalism. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I think the storytelling on CBS Sunday Morning is 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 how it all should be. Uh, but we have we have too many we have too many people to serve in the media. Yes. And I just I love watching that show. And so I actually DVR the show. So mm-hmm. I have like back episodes from like over a month ago that I can just oh my God. watch. Does so your I, does your wife like does she does she like give you an Afghan and like slippers? I mean, does she look at you like, <laughs> who is this person that I married? Because right. because I, I have I have I know when I've been in relationships where like I expose my my love of CBS Sunday morning and I'm just like, they're probably going to walk now. I mean, this is yeah. It's like it's like the the target audience. All the advertisements are for like debilitating illnesses for people over eighty. Right. Very true. Very true. <laughs> and that, that's why I DVR it because this way I can just fast forward through yeah. all of that fun stuff. Um. So with that being said, uh, those are the things that I've been doing and a lot of cleaning nice. in my house. That's and, nice. Uh, trying to get that all together. So yeah. let's move on to the ninth <laughs> inning now. Yes, uh, we have just basically uh, shown ourselves. We've added ourselves. We really yep, are. yep, yep. And um, moving on, Chad, I'm curious, uh, since, you know, we aren't watching any sports, are you maybe gearing up on your DVR, or your DVD, any old Cubs games or the 2016 World Series that you pop in every now and then just to kind of relive the glory and just say, hey, you know what, I haven't watched this in a long time. I'm going to. I'm going to watch this now. Two things. Um, uh, one, uh, I have, I'm a part of kind of a, of an internal chat group and, and I've, I've mentioned them before, you know, my best buddy, Edgar Rico and, and, and Lisa and Ami, um, the four of us are all, have this open chat and it's just about Cubs. Like nothing else is allowed. And, and they, you know, when this, all the cancellations happen, they're like, we need to rewatch game seven on like opening day. And so I've actually thought about pulling out the Blu-rays, and and what I have never done is rewatch game one. And I have them rewatch games one through seven in their entirety. And I think I might do that. I think I may might rewatch even the losses, even the ones where we just got smoked. Um, but I think I'm going to do that. Um, the other thing I wanted to share was it was really fun. I got blown up by by uh, a couple dozen friends yesterday who were watching the Marquee Network. Um, and I think you probably know where this is going. They had a, a show and I haven't seen it yet because I don't have the marketing network. Um, they have a show, um, the top 10 games in Cubs history. And you can imagine what game one was. And I was excited to find out from my friends that Edgar and I made the cut. So we're on. So I got oh, wow. to get a copy of that video. Hopefully they'll show it on their Cubs YouTube channel. Um, but yeah, so in the, you know, right before Zobers double, they, 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 they cut over to, to Edgar and I 
looking excited and worried as heck. Um, and we made the cut on the top 10 new video. That, uh, that, that picture of you needs to, that, or that video, whatever you want to call it, maybe they can screenshot it. That needs to go on your tombstone. I feel like, you know, <laughs> they just, cause I feel like that encompasses your fandom at the very apex of, uh, you know, the, your Cubs, uh, fandom, so to speak. I, yeah. I feel like that, that, that definitely is something that, uh, you need I to love that. Can I say one more thing, Ryan? Can I say one more thing yes. about that? So, yes. so, um, you know, for, for the listeners that are friends, they, they know this for the listeners and there's a lot of them that we've never met before. We so appreciate you guys, but the, a really funny, quick story. Um, a pitch before Rajay Davis hits the home run against Chapman, they take a crowd shot of different people and like and people looking worried and Indians fans looking worried and they zoom in and they cut to my, my friend Edgar and I and you if you look at that video we look and we're up by the way we're up a couple runs so it's like it's okay and Rajay's up like nothing's bad's gonna happen here and Chapman's pitching we look so worried and so flipping freaked out and then the home run happens the very next pitch fast forward to the tenth inning the pitch before Zobris's double they shoot over they pick us up again for some unknown reason and you can see me mouthing while i'm kind of pumping my fist come on ben come on ben and edgar's sitting there like holding his his fu manchu beard and 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 what i loved about and then zober sits a double it was amazing but what i loved about it is people so many people saw that and, and blew us up on our phones and in our, our facebook but so many people told me a variation of the story which was I saw you that first time and my heart was sinking and everything fell apart. And then I saw you in the 10th inning and I was like, look at Gordon. He looks hopeful. I think <laughs> you, you reassured me. And so I, that, that warms my heart. I love it. And for people that have never met me before, you've seen me. Um, and, uh, and I got to tell you another real quick story. Game six, the day before, um, what I like to call the Addison Russell game. Cause he hit the grand slam and, and we just, they're going to call it the Ryan Lieber. Game. No, no, it's the, it's the Addison Russell grand slam, oh, game. Okay. but that was the game where the friendly confines got hatched. That's where I looked at Ryan and because you asked me, you know, do you ever want to get back into doing some things? Cause you were doing local sports radio down in South Florida. And I said, I've always wanted to do a podcast. Would you ever want to do one with me? That's where the friendly confines got started yeah. game six. Cause you came down for your birthday and I begged you to stay for game seven. And I bet that's one of your great regrets in life. <laughs> it is. It is to some degree, but man, I, the money I spent just to get into Game <laughs> Six, Chad, it was too tough for me to try yeah. to get into Game Seven at yeah. that point. So, uh, well, that that's great. Uh, it's a great story, and it was. I do remember seeing you and being all excited when I got to see you on TV, and uh, yeah, the genesis of this podcast started all all uh, at that game to begin with. So that is going to do it for uh, this edition of the Friendly Confines, uh, Chad. It's hard to believe that this is uh, what is happening in the world right now, but. Listen, we're doing our best to supply some sort of normalcy yeah. to the listeners so they can kind of at least kind of think about other things other than yeah. the coronavirus. And we'll try to bring you uh, more episodes as they come and certainly keep you up to date with everything going on in Major League Baseball. So for Chad, I'm Ryan. We'll talk to you next time, everybody. Stay safe and we'll talk to you soon. Take care of everybody. Take care of each other. Be safe. We love you, everyone. Let's get through this together. Don't let anyone say that it's just a game For I've seen other teams and it's never the same When you're born in Chicago, you're blessed and you're healed
Time now for the seventh inning stretch here on the friendly confines. And we are about a couple of weeks into spring training. We got a great guest that we are speaking to here this week, Randall J. Sanders. You can find him on Twitter at Randall J. Sanders. He's also on the Twitter handle at numbers MLB. And of course, his Instagram account is one up underscore workshop. Lots of great baseball that he contributes to and talks about. And he's uh our seventh inning stretch conductor this week. Randall, welcome to the Friendly Confines with Chad and Ryan. How you doing? Good. Thank you for having me this morning. We are uh, enjoying to having you as well. And um, so let's jump right into it. Of course, the Cubs now having a couple of weeks to have the full squad, uh, have a couple of weeks of games under their belts now as they've gotten into the spring training season. I think the biggest news coming out of spring training so far has been the case that David Ross has made a little bit of a change to the top of the lineup. Of course, the leadoff spot was certainly um, a a certain area that the Cubs did not get uh, a lot of consistency out of in the 2019 season. So Chris Bryant has been leading off for the Cubs. So far, so good. What have you thought of maybe this kind of tweak to the top of the Cubs lineup and putting Chris Bryant, who's normally been hitting in the uh, three or four spot, now hitting at the top of the lineup? I think it is an excellent decision on the part of David Ross. I think it is appropriately outside the box. And I think it is something that Joe Madden would not have tried. Um, He has a little different view on who should be your leadoff hitter. And it's worked for him as much as it has not. So I'm not necessarily criticizing that on his part. But the simple matter of you want to get your best player the most played appearances And that's as good a reason as any to put Chris Bryant in the leadoff spot in lieu of a traditional speedy on-base leadoff hitter on this roster. Uh, Chris Bryant with a career uh, 385 on-base percentage in his five seasons in Major League Baseball, that'll play at the top of the lineup. And David Ross uh, said it himself when the, the media discussed it with him. He said, why wouldn't we get our best player and then our best two players with Rizzo hitting second behind him? why wouldn't we get our best two players the most played appearances? And as long as Chris is comfortable with it and he seems like he's enjoying it very much, uh, why wouldn't you do it in lieu of a traditional leadoff hitter? So I think it's a, a, an excellent means of maximizing what you have on the roster on the part of David Ross. In addition to the fact that obviously Brian, as you mentioned, all those you know stats prior to that says he would probably be a, a, a good leadoff hitter for the Cubs. How much of a message do you think David Ross is maybe kind of underlying sending to the front office saying, look, I know we've been talking about the fact that Chris Bryant may not be a member of this Cubs team in the near future, but I'm here to tell you this is a valuable person that we need to hang on to for at least this entire year and don't think about trying to trade him. How much of a message do you think that is kind of sending to the Cubs front office, recognizing, look, we, we need to have him at the top of the lineup because he's going to start our offense. And, and most of all, let us be successful. You know, I don't think Ross is sending them a message in that he is saying something to them with which they disagree. I would bet the front office is just as much in agreement with Ross that Chris Bryant is a tremendously valuable player that this Cubs roster needs more so than whatever he might have brought back in trade. I'm no baseball insider. I don't have sources and I don't claim to have sources, 
but I never got the sense this offseason that the Cubs were actively looking to dump Chris Bryant. I absolutely believe that they were talking with certain teams, or more specifically that certain teams were talking with them about Chris Bryant, and that makes sense because Bryant is a tremendously talented baseball player when healthy, and even prior to the grievance, he still had a year to two years of service time remaining before free agency. Why wouldn't other teams want Chris Bryant? But I never got the sense that uh, the front office was trying to move him for anything more than a top-shelf hall of prospects. And you're not looking to get rid of Chris Bryant, but if another team was going to give you the, the lead-off franchise center fielder you needed and the top-shelf minor league pitching you needed, then it's okay to consider moving him. But I never got the sense they were looking to dump him in the way that the Red Sox got rid of Mookie Betts uh, just in the name of clearing salary. I never really got that sense. And again, I'm not in the front office and I don't have sources, but that was just the sense I got from watching and listening this offseason. So I would think that David Ross and the front office are in agreement as to Chris Bryant's value to this roster and what you can do with a healthy Chris Bryant on your team. We're talking with Randall J. Sanders. You can find him on Twitter at Randall J. Sanders. Of course, also on at Numbers MLB. There's a lot of great content on there if you're a big baseball fan. And then on Instagram, one up underscore workshop uh, for some great uh, info there, too, and some, some solid photos if uh, you'd like to check out the Instagram page um, as well. Now, you mentioned David Ross. And, of course, I guess if you want to look at the big picture as to who the Cubs' biggest acquisition was in the offseason it it was Rossi um how much of an impact and and I know we we are now in an age of baseball where the manager doesn't quote-unquote have that much of a say as what he used to when it came to game planning like we saw maybe 10 15 even 20 years ago but how much do you think David Ross can have impact wise on this team to kind of get them back on track and and kind of uh use 2020 as an opportunity to to start fresh and get this team back into contention. I think he can have a major effect. And as you said, a lot of the lineup and statistical and game time, this game, uh, sorry, at bat decisions are uh, more the domain of the front office now where they, they kind of share that responsibility with the manager. And a lot of what the manager does now is managing the clubhouse and telling guys uh, that they need to step it up or do things like that. And I think David Ross can and is already having a major impact in that regard. This is a guy who, even when he was still a player, was known to go up to Anthony Rizzo and tell him, I don't think you came ready to play today. And Rizzo would typically respond to that. Um, so I think that David Ross can have that major impact on the clubhouse. And if you go by some of the quotes from the players uh, in the early going of spring training here, a lot of them are responding to that already. You have players talking about being more prepared for games. You have players talking about just doing things a little differently. And Joe Madden, it's hard to overall criticize his tenure as Cubs manager. If you add up the wins, the World Series, of course, speaks for itself. Uh, but he did run kind of a very loose clubhouse. He was very hands-off. He was very laissez-faire in managing the players. I don't know that he was the kind of guy to go up to a player and tell him, I don't think you came ready to play today. And I think David Ross, just personality-wise and with his familiarity with some of these players from being their teammate not all that long ago, is more apt to do that. And I think the players already are, and I think they will continue to respond well to that. Um, when you look at the NL Central and you see what uh, 
the teams that have improved, I think the Cincinnati Reds are probably the team that immediately come to mind about most improved in the NL Central. But Cardinals are still obviously very solid. The Brewers still have, you know, solid players with Christian Yelich in the lineup. Um, Are the Cubs, in your opinion, still the team that people are fearing in the NL Central or maybe the team to beat in the NL Central? Or do you think that this year they are not the favorites to repeat or rather not repeat, but to, to win the NL Central this year and potentially make the postseason? How do you kind of measure up the NL Central when you look at it top to bottom? Well, it, it is a little tough to say that the Reds didn't have the best offseason on paper right now. They added Nick Castellanos, who Cubs fans know well. They added uh, Mike Moustakis to play the infield for them. They added Shogo Akiyama out of Japan, who, if healthy, um, can probably play a good outfield for them and be a good force in the lineup. It is hard to say they didn't have the best offseason on paper. Um, so they probably will be going into 2020 with a fair bit of confidence Uh, on that roster and on that field. So it would be hard to say the Cubs are necessarily the favorites for the division. But we have seen plenty of teams have good off-seasons, put together a good roster. They go out there and they start playing the games, and it just doesn't all quite gel or click the way you would think. The Cardinals, I think, played over their heads just a little bit last year. They got probably the best season out of Tommy Edmond that he will ever have, and they had a couple of other players, I think, play above their head. Uh, the Brewers, we saw it last season when you have Lorenzo Cain potentially declining, and he's probably a good candidate to bounce back. But Ryan Braun certainly isn't getting any younger. Christian Yelich will probably still be Christian Yelich, much to all of our chagrin. Um, but even Josh Hader had more than his share of red flags pitching out of the bullpen last year. The walks were up, the hard contact was up, and we saw it happen in the wild card game. Eventually, that will come back to bite you. So I would say it would be hard to call the Cubs the favorites in the NL Central. But I would also say that the other potential competitors for that spot either have their flaws or haven't played a regular season game yet. So it's hard to necessarily call them the the odds-on favorites. So I would say the Cubs aren't necessarily the favorites, but I'm also more than content to let the season start playing out and see how some of these other teams uh, start putting their rosters together first. If you look at this team pitching-wise, um, from the starting rotation, um, do you look at Darvish as kind of the uh, the ace of this staff now, or is it still kind of up in the air and you still need to see more from Hugh Darvish, even though he had a strong second half in 2019? Well, Hugh Darvish has had a very strong career, and uh, it's much easier to believe that his second half performance last season is more indicative of where he is and where he still is as a pitcher, as opposed to uh, one injury-plagued half-season with the Cubs, and another half-season where we know now he was still coming off of injury and still trying to, to relearn his body a little bit. And we also know that uh, what happened in the 2017 World Series with the Astro sign-stealing scandal, we know that was affecting him mentally a little bit. So if it were to transpire that you Darvish was fighting something physically and he was fighting something mentally, and that led to his 2018 and the first half of 2019 issues with the Cubs, and he's going to be much better going forward. I would have no trouble believing that. As for who we would call the Cubs ace at this point, I think it's probably between you Darvish and Kyle Hendricks. Darvish has the career of success to his name, and Kyle Hendricks has done some very good things in a Cubs uniform. 
So I think to the extent that you need to name a number one starter or an ace, I think it's probably one of those two at this point. We're talking with Randall J. Sanders. Randall, for those of our listeners who may not be familiar with your Twitter handle and what exactly you do over at uh, Numbers MLB, talk a little bit about what that is and what uh, people who follow your Twitter account can, uh, can, can see when they, uh, they go to the handle. Uh, so Numbers MLB is a Twitter account started by an individual by the name of Preston Mickelson, who, who, who is a uh, student at Northwestern University. And it is uh, basically what it appears to be. It is an account that tracks Major League Baseball uniform numbers anytime a player is called up or traded or switches numbers for any other reason. We uh, have an individual by the name of uh, Eric Garman who writes up the copy. He'll write up the player name, their Twitter handle. Uh, the number information, as well as whomever on that team wore the number most previously. And then I produce a jersey graphic in the appropriate color, whether that's a home, away, or uh, an alternate color, and we tweet it out. And um, you would think it's kind of niche, and it is, but there are uh, a lot of people who are very passionate about this um, and maybe a little crazy in the same way that we are, and a lot of them appreciate um, us uh, doing these updates. Uh, right now in spring, they tend to be pretty sporadic. You don't have a whole lot of new guys coming in uh, on major league contracts who need to be updated, and you don't have a whole lot of uh, guys switching numbers at the moment. But towards the end of spring training, as non-roster invitees start to make the roster, and then every day in the season where there's a new top prospect or shuttle reliever or utility infielder uh, swapping in and out, uh, people say they appreciate uh, us keeping tabs on this. And it can be a lot of work during the regular season, especially during the busier periods. Uh, but it is fun to keep an eye on these things. And I do find it actually keeps me more uh, aware of goings on around the league. Uh, somebody comes up or gets traded, and I find that uh, I was already aware of that because I made a, uh, I made a jersey image for him. And uh, even better, every so often we'll get a, a player who – is uh, appreciative of our efforts. They'll tell us thanks for the update, or they will uh, borrow one of our jersey images for use on their own media. So it's a it's a very interesting way to to spend time. So this is fascinating, and and of course you can go to add numbers MLB. I'm one of those people, uh, Randall, and I don't know if you're like this as well, but I get annoyed when players were wearing one number on one team that they had been wearing their entire career, and then they just go off the board when they get traded or signed as a free agent to another team and pick a number that has really no connection or is not even close to the number they used to wear on their other team. Is that something that you or some other people uh, ever hear from some of your, you know, Twitter followers or anything else for that matter on that front? If something has ever happened in an MLB jersey number, we've heard about it from someone. I, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> um, you know, I do like I do like a little bit of continuity. It's it's kind of neat if you see a player who uh, was able to wear the same number for his entire career. Um, but that's always the interesting thing for me when a player gets introduced with a new team or gets traded to a new team is is he going to keep that same number? Can he keep that same number? Is it retired there? Is another longtime player wearing it, and then um, if that's not the if if that is the case and he can't wear his number, where does he go from there? Does he flip the digits? Does he go one higher or one lower, or does he just throw caution to the wind and pick a different number entirely? 
So that's always my question when a guy ends up with a new team is where do you go with the jersey number? And especially when a player gets traded to a team like the Yankees, who have more retired numbers than anyone in the league by far, and there's a very good chance a guy kind of can't keep that number identity of his. Um, it's a question of where does he go when he has so little, so few options. So that's always interesting for me to see. That's very true. That's a very good point. Yes, I, I've always wondered what the Yankees are going to do one day when they run out of numbers because uh, they're. I feel like each and every year there's a new guy that they're retiring a number for, and eventually I feel like we're going to be literally seeing the entire roster with uh, numbers in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. So um, right. fascinating they'll either, stuff. They'll, they'll either have to start putting guys in those, those highest possible numbers or they'll, they'll take a page out of Futurama's book and start assigning uh, fractions as jersey there you numbers, go. just because there you all go. the whole numbers are retired. That's right. Absolutely. Randall J. Sanders is our guest here on the seventh inning stretch. You can find him at Randall J. Sanders or on at numbers MLB, as we were just talking about how it relates to the Jersey numbers and then the Instagram account one up underscore workshop. Randall, thank you so much for joining us here on the seventh inning stretch in the friendly confines. Really appreciate the time and the insight. We would love to have you back on the program uh, throughout the year if uh, your schedule permits, but thanks again for joining us and uh, hopefully we'll talk to you down the road. I appreciate you having me very much. Thank you.